Hello, it's Richard Herring here. Welcome to my podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. And my stand-up tour is about to begin. Can I have my ball back? First stand-up tour in six years. Many of you just know me from the podcast. Don't know, I've done 14 or 15 stand-up tours in my own right. I'm a brilliant stand-up comedian. And can I have my ball back? I think it's my best show ever. That's what the audiences are saying. It's about testicular cancer, but it's funny because testicles are funny, even though cancer isn't. Uh, I'm really pleased with it. I'd love you to come and see it. Bring your friends. Some of the shows selling really well. Some of them selling really badly. It's a traditional Richard Herring tour. But here's where I'm going to be. 2nd of May, Thursday at the Luton Hat Factory. It's a small venue, but there are still tickets left. 3rd of May, I'm at the Berry Hedge End, which is near Southampton. That's looking more full, but still some availability. 8th of May, I'm at the Leicester Square Theatre. There's about 10 tickets left for that one, though I am back at the Leicester Square Theatre in June. And then I'm at St Albans on the 9th, Gloucester on the 10th. Chorley Little Theatre on the 11th, that's sold out, but you can join the waiting list. And then the 12th of May, I'm at Glasgow, afternoon show sold out. Evening show, extra show, put on, still with tickets. And then there's lots more. Go to richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs. And now enjoy whatever podcast I've given you. It's free. It's all for you. If you want to pay me back, buy a book, come and see a show. That's all I've got to say to you. Love you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to another Rahulastopher Book Club. This week we are reading the book Turned On by Kate Devlin, who is joining us remotely. Hello, Kate. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. I'm good. looking forward to this. I'm very much, well, you know, we've been, uh, a lot of times people have suggested I should talk to you because we share an interest in the subject of this book. Mine is more... Uh, comedic, uh, but this book uh, is subtitled Science, Sex and Robots, which might give people an idea of, of why I'm interested in it. Uh, could you tell, before we get onto the book, could you tell us a little bit, bit about yourself and what you do and who you are? I am an academic, so the official job title is Reader in Artificial Intelligence and Society um, at King's College London, and I've, I'm a computer scientist, although many years ago I was an archaeologist, it's a bit of a career jump, um, and yeah, so I, I've been studying sex robots for the past six or seven years, and I wrote a book right. about it. Well, I got interested in sex robots because I had an argument with my wife after watching the TV show Humans, which you reference in your book, yes. uh, and saying that uh, I wondered why the wife was upset for the husband for sleeping with the robot of Gemma Chan, because I didn't consider it cheating. Uh, my wife did consider it cheating, 
how did you get interested in, in sex robots? That's that's where that's all come from. Uh, how did you? What was what sparked your interest in this subject? Lots of things. I was working on lots of different aspects of robotics and AI and human computer interaction. And I think a lot of this stemmed from the pub because we were in the pub after a conference talking about all the things that you could get robots to do. And what would it mean if they could feel things as well? So if you had a robot, for example, that could feel pain, that might be really useful because if it got damaged, it would limit the damage. It would know to to back off from whatever was causing pain. And of course, because we were drinking, the subject turned to sex. And there'd already been <laughs> quite a few people working in this area. Um, bits and pieces of that were coming through onto the the academic side of things. And uh, yeah, then suddenly the, the the stars aligned and I had a, a master's student who was interested in the topic. And yeah, a group of us started looking at it and the rest okay. is history. Well, the, the best thing from the book uh, is that it gives a legal answer to the question, uh, is having sex with a robot cheating? And I'll be delighted to take that passage to my wife uh, because legally it is not cheating to have sex with a robot. So that's that's the end of the conversation. That's the end of the subject. I have won the argument with my wife. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I suppose <laughs> there's a little bit more to that. The book is a, is about a lot more than, um, than sex robots, really, though. So you're looking at the history of uh, both computers and sex and how they align. I mean, there's very interesting stuff about... I mean, I think you argued that the, uh, if I remember rightly, that you, that the dildo may have been invented twenty five thousand years before the wheel. Is that is that very, is very that... possibly? Yeah. So we have <laughs> evidence of these phallic shaped objects appearing in in you know cave sites from twenty eight thousand years ago, and that's pretty exciting. We don't know what they were for, and if you ask an archaeologist, and I can say this because I used to be one, they'll say, oh, it's ceremonial or it's ritual, because that's the, the kind of thing we like to say when we don't really know what something was used for. Uh, why why not? Perhaps dildos, you know, the, the shape is, uh, gives away yeah. that it might have been, but we, there, there is actually a long history of sex toys and dildos, and we've certainly got written records of those going back to the ancient Greeks. Yes, because a lot of them will have been made of materials that uh, don't necessarily survive. Well, A, being pounded into people's anuses and vaginas and vulvas, uh, but... uh... But equally, indeed, <laughs> the fossil yeah. red, the, 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 the things like leather and wood and things which will tend to decompose, right, yeah. especially if they're covered in spunk and stuff. Indeed. Well, I mean, there was one supposedly <laughs> found recently in England um, at a site that was supposed to be one of the only surviving wooden Roman dildos. But someone else has come along and said, oh, we think it's actually part of a spindle for spinning wool. So, yeah. you know, that but, seems you know things have two uses, don't they, Kate? That's, That's you know, like you, you yeah. can. You're not using your dildo the entire time, so you know, exactly. do, put it on a spindle for a bit, and then you can hide it from your mum as well. If it's on the spindle, <laughs> so it's, it, all, it, it all works out very well. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of, it is this sort of big subject, uh, and it's I've come I've I've come at it from like a comedic point of view. I mean, pointing out in the sketch I did that uh, that, that women are sort of happy, uh, and some men as well are happy to uh, to take the just the penis and uh and throw the rest of the robot away uh, so <laughs> but uh it's it, it sort of feels like it's um it's the, the the sort of the sex robots we see in and the robots we see in science fiction are all kind of geared one way which a uh they're sexy generally speaking sort of sexually alluring women uh and b they all 
gain consciousness and uh, either rebel or or are sad or whatever. Um, and how likely are... It feels to me it's pretty unlikely, even if we were to manage to create a, a robot that was as good as Gemma Chan is in humans, that it would gain actual consciousness. Is, is, that, is that something that's even really realistically possible? It's so far at the moment from it, uh, despite the hype and the headlines, and actually even making a human-like robot is really, really difficult. Uh, The the, the robots we have in the world today, a lot of them are in factories on production lines. They don't look anything like humans. And the most common ones in our homes are robot vacuum cleaners, uh, which people do get very attached to, but they don't quite have those. Well, they could have some of those same purposes, uh, but they're not human-like. And actually, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice if we think that a sex robot needs to be in a human form, because I think there's other things you could do there as well. You could go down very interesting design routes. <laughs> but right now, I know it's really difficult to make a human-like robot. It's We're so far away from sentient AI. Um, but the closest that seems to be around the moment are companies like Abyss Creations that make Real Doll, who've put some animatronics into their sex dolls and put an AI personality in there as well which you can also get as a standalone app so you can have a girlfriend app and it is girlfriend because of course it's very gendered um but yeah so there there are proto sex robots out there but as you say with the with the uh with that kind of ai language it's still uh it's still in its infancy really so there's i think there's a question in can you what do you know about me or something? And then and the and the AI takes that as t- referring to the domain name of Moldova or something. Yeah. So I can't quite remember what it is. That's so right. And there's some glitches really, in there. It's glitchy, <laughs> but when we see like the the advent of these large language models that are coming out now, like ChatGPT, I mean that's phenomenal in terms of generating realistic sounding conversation. But there's no understanding there, and quite often it comes out with an absolute load of crap. So it sounds plausible, but it's it's pretty meaningless. Uh, yeah. So the actual understanding and, and knowledge, um, real knowledge, isn't there? But also, it is about you know, if it, in I mean, it, it still has that image of being, a, and I think you sort of dis, within the book, you you sort of make this that it isn't necessarily the case that a, a sex robot is basically just a kind of jazzed up rubber, you know, rubber doll, whatever these sex doll that used to get kind of That's thrown right. around at bachelor parties and stuff wow. and advertised in the back of porn magazines. No, a little bit more expensive than that. <laughs> a bit more expensive. <laughs> but, the, the, you know, you sort of imagine, well, because you, you sort of imagine you're still having sex with an object, which is fine if that's what you're into, but to, it, it's not... I can't really even conceive of a point where you would, however good it was at talking to you and however however good it was at moving, however, however human it felt, if you could do that, it's, it seems like a big stretch to actually get to that point where it's any more than just a, a machine and a fantasy machine and an object rather than feeling you're, you're making love with a human being. That's right. So it's it's definitely an illusion you need to buy into. Um, but there are communities of people out there who who are in relationships with their sex dolls, and sure. for them, it's not a delusionary thing. It's not that they're they're not in some way going crazy here and thinking that these things are real. It's it's buying into the the play aspects and the imagination aspects as well. Um, so for, for with the sex robots, it's it sort of actually removes some of that imagination because it stifles the interactions yeah. because you rely on the technology. So some people aren't that interested in it because it it, it breaks that illusion. Um, but yeah, it's really just, it, you can't not, you cannot mistake these things for being human. 
No. But you talk to some owners of the of the of the current sort of models, the more expensive yeah. models, uh, as well as going to the factory to see <laughs> see them being made, and they oh. they don't. You know, I think I think what I've seen, like certainly when I've seen the scientists who've been, you know, demonstrating these machines, they're sort of. I mean, you mentioned the guy who had the um the, the who made not a non probably a, a non sexual version of um uh, I've forgotten the name of the actress now, but the. Uh, Oh, the Scarlett Johansson Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing him and thinking, yeah, I, I, this makes me feel, <laughs> feel a bit queasy. It feels like there's more, which we can get onto, like using other people's identity. But within the book, it feels like the people using them aren't what might be the stereotypical idea of, you know, sad, lonely. Yeah, there's a lot men. of that. There's a lot of misconceptions, I think, around um, around who the sort of people are who buy these, because you need to have a lot of money for starters to be able to afford <laughs> these things. They're high-end, expensive products. You're talking upwards of, you know, three thousand, four thousand dollars for a doll, and then you know, ten thousand upwards for the for a version with animatronics in it as well. So you know, these are and, and these aren't just people who are alone and looking for a woman to control which seems to be a very big narrative but these are people some people are in relationships some of them are interested purely from a an engineering perspective uh how cool this can be uh so all walks of life well many walks of life not maybe maybe not all walks of life but many walks of life <laughs> predominantly men it's really really hard to find women who will talk about having dolls or wanting yeah. to have but they are sort of marketed at men at the moment, and uh, you know, as Very the book so. sort of d- discusses, you know, there there may be different ways of of going uh, uh, about it. But I, you know, I think that having joked about this subject a lot, and this book did, does make you think seriously about it. It's a it's a funny book, and it's uh, there's the, as as scientific and uh, as well researched as it is. Uh, there's there's you, you don't shy away from the fact that there's some there's some humour in this uh, subject. But if you really think about it, I mean, a, a sex robot even if they were great and even if everyone had them and they existed that the actual sex part is a very small part you know you're not going to even if you had one unless you're like uh, Morty and Rick and Morty when he gets a sort of alien <laughs> sex doll that he spends all his day fucking until she gets pregnant and has a baby uh, but uh, you, you, you know you're only using that for a small portion of the day so in reality they are it's much more likely to be we're much more likely to get companion robots yeah. Especially given that, especially given there's, you know, there's, there's so many actual, very good representations of human beings who will have sex with you, either, either over online or or in reality, for money or for free. So that that part of it is always going to be a small part. You know, if you want realistic sex, then there's other ways to go. So it's there. Yeah, it is. It is a sort of companionship thing. It is a companionship thing, and which is why one of the one of the things I think will happen, rather than seeing sex robots come onto the scene in large numbers like some kind of fembot army, um, I think we're instead going to see a rising companionship AI apps, which is already happening. There's already lots of people out there talking to AIs as if they are romantic partners. And I've got a PhD student. My PhD student Chloe Locatelli looks at this. Uh, she's looking at this idea that there's some kind of like almost post-human sex work going on so you've got these apps and they provide this girlfriend experience for people and how does that how is that advertised and it's it's very much advertised like it's an emotional connection like it's a partnership you know this is the the perfect partner who will always be there for you and she or she can talk dirty but she can also you know say see how your day was or say nice things about you so I think that's the much more monetizable future sure 
I mean, it sort of is interesting to think, because any guesses we make now, and I think even someone as knowledgeable about this as you, you know, any guesses we make in 50 years' time, people are going to look back and go, oh, that's what they thought was going to happen. <laughs> because it's sort of so difficult to predict where the technology will go, but also what people will be interested in. I mean, you know, you sort of imagine would they, if they became good enough sex robots uh, and companionship robots and people married their robots, would it, would it is the human race going to reach a point where, um, you know, people who have sex with people are looked on as being, as being the weird ones because you can just have your perfect partner as a robot. I, I don't think so. So um, <laughs> from all the research I've done, I think that humans are really good at being humans. And there's something about seeking out other humans. I mean, that's deeply embedded in our DNA, the, this, this attempt to pass it on subconsciously or even consciously. So I'm not too worried. I don't think that we're going to see replacing humans with these relationships but I think they could be their own thing their own category um, and I think they could be a companionable aspect and we do this all the time with other things like characters in books we have these parasocial relationships with actors in on tv and film or with you know fan fiction that thousands of people millions of people around the world are writing really in-depth and incredibly saucy stories about their favourite fictional characters. <laughs> so is it any wonder that we can take all this stuff and project it onto technology as well? Sure. And I think a lot of things about romance, I think certainly from my point of view anyway, I felt like when I was a single man and when I was interested in, uh, I mean, I'm still interested in having sex with my wife, but when I, I'm still interested in having sex with other people, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, but when, when I was a single man, you know, it was it was the it was it was the romance, it was the seduction, it was will this person fancy me back? And even if you program a robot to sort of put up <laughs> to put up some barriers to to the final act, you're never going to feel oh wow, I've got this real connection with a real person, and we've you know we've even at least just fancy each other enough to have sex with each other, which I suppose is also the case with sex workers. If you're having sex with sex workers, you've, you've either got to pretend to yourself that there's a relationship or know that there's no relationship. So it's, it's not that sex, you know, there's different types of sex, as you know, Kate, but um, there's, <laughs> but there's, um, there's, you know, it, it is, it is sort of, I, I think uh, I can't really envisage a situation where, where it, it becomes like commonplace. I think what's interesting in the book and something I hadn't thought about is, is what you mentioned briefly there is the idea of creating something completely different. And some, so you, you talk about having things with tentacles or, or making a duvet that's, that can turn into breasts or cocks or whatever you want. There's lots of kind of weird and nice ideas that, that could be, yeah. you know, could enhance sexuality or enhance masturbation. Um, yeah. Which, you know, but so yeah, that that's a that's a really interesting part of the of the book. I think of thinking about, uh, you know, exploring sexuality and and sensuality uh, in a virtual yeah. arena. Because there's there's so many avenues. We have so many cool bits of technology. So back in 2016, um, with the help of my students, ran a, We ran a sex tech hackathon. Uh, so a hackathon is where you get people together for usually 48 hours a bunch of techies in a room give them some pizza they come up with these things well we wanted to do a cooler sex tech version of that so we got together people from many different disciplines there were tech people yes but there were also artists musicians psychologists industry experts on sex tech and they worked in teams to come up with these 
interesting new prototypes that weren't reliant on the human form, that weren't just about physical experiences, but could be about the psychological or the sensuous as well. And there were some fantastic things, you know, soft robotic tentacles that you could put anywhere in your body and they would squeeze you. Or this wonderful one that was a paper fan that opened up um, when there were signs of vaginal arousal. They did that by putting moisture sensors on a vaginal egg and it drove this fan that was a flamboyant display of, of arousal. Um, and then the following year when we ran it, there was a what I called a sensual shawl and they called a sex blanket where there were sensors in it and you could put this around, your, around yourself and you could imagine rose petals falling from the, from the ceiling. In virtual reality, you could see those and then you would feel the sensors kick off as if they were touching your skin. So we have all this really cool tech that we can put into uh, lots of interesting experiences and sexual or sensuous or intimate. Um, and yeah, the, the, the problem is that there isn't funding to do those kinds of things because venture capitalists are kind of stifled by what they can put money into. There's usually morality clauses. And also, you know, they, they, they may not be commercially scalable as well. So hmm. we're still playing around with these things. Oh, I think they'll be commercially scalable. <laughs> what I would like, Kate, if you could, for when, especially when I'm an older man uh, and virtual reality is very good, I would like to just be able to go back and relive experiences that I'd had in my life, but be able to Groundhog Day them. So when I've messed up with, with, with past relationships, or if you had a really great time with someone, but the danger with that, you go back and do it again, and it's not as good. But there's several times I think, oh, I wish I could go back. And re I realised that girl fancied me, or I was about to have a threesome and I blew it, or whatever. And I'd love to be able to go back and you know, pretend, A, pretend I'm 25 again, and B, <laughs> relive those experiences. So if you could get working on that, I'll put some money into it. I'll do it. I mean, this is this is the metaverse that Mark Zuckerberg doesn't want, but let's try for it. I think, and I don't think that counts as does that count as cheating to go back right. in time this and be yourself before thing. you met your partner? Well, the cheating thing. So technically, legally, you couldn't file for divorce and say for adultery and say my spouse had sex with a robot because adultery in the UK has to be between a person and another person of the opposite sex. So it's actually you know, there's, there still isn't even equality in the adultery divorce oh, really? laws. <laughs> right. um, so don't, don't, don't confuse this by bringing robots into it. You could probably cite, <laughs> you know, some kind of uh, behaviour that was causing distress, I guess. Um, but in terms of whether or not it's cheating between you and your partner, that is something that has to be negotiated in every relationship. So I'm sorry oh, to, st to... Stop <laughs> ruining it. It isn't cheating. If, if it's me in the past, before I met my wife... That can't. That doesn't count. You can't I don't imprison. Think it counts. I don't can't think imprison it my mind. You can That's imprison right. my and body. I, I, I strongly <laughs> agree with that. I think our fantasies are one of the things that are so personal, and you know we shouldn't be policing other people's fantasies, even if they're really terrible. Um, we, they shouldn't necessarily act on them, but they should be allowed to think them. I think. Yeah, I think you're allowed to. But that—that's where this, I think, gets into like a weird space. Because it sort of extends, and, and the internet generally, I think, which I'm surprised hasn't sort of destroyed more, it probably has destroyed a lot of relationships, but that kind of, kind of availability of being able to contact anyone in the world and, you know, and well, some of them yeah. will take their clothes off for you and some of them will for but money then, and some of them will do it for free. And... The internet has also caused and brought about so many relationships. I reckon there's been more relationships have come out of it <laughs> True. Than, than have been destroyed by it. I met my husband on Twitter, so I, I'm, okay. I'm going to go with it being a positive thing overall. But yeah. yes, there probably are lots of, lots of ones getting 
Well, it sort of makes like, you know, when you even think what would it have been like for a married man in the 1940s or 1950s uh, who, you know, only had sex with one person in their life who was thinking, I wonder what life would have been like. There would have been some photos of, you know, and if we go back 200 years before that, some pictures, some drawings. But like the the ability we have to just be able to look at loads of sexual scenarios on on our computers is sort of, uh, you know, is I think probably, I mean, this is the problem with, I wanted to get onto this, the morality of it really, obviously, of course, in that you can say for pornography and for sex robots, some people will argue, well, this will stop people being, doing sexual crimes because they will, they'll have a robot at home to have sex with and other people will say, or they have pornography at home, other people say the pornography will make them and the sex robots will make them want to go out and do these things in in real life. So we've, we're sort of stuck with that same argument that we've had over the years for, I guess, right since someone drew a pair of boobs on a cave wall. Pretty much. And we've seen this play out with video games as well. You know, does video game violence lead to violence in the real world? And the answer seems to be no, it doesn't. Um, And in some cases, uh, will minimise potential for violence. But then this is fairly inconclusive because people will come in and cherry pick things from both sides and it's really hard to tell. Very similar with porn. I think if we, given the huge wide availability of of porn, um, if we were to see increased violence on a on a large scale that's not it doesn't correlate with the amount of access people have to porns we're not seeing that however we can say that there are norms changing because of the the themes that come up in that so yeah. yes it's 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 really tricky and also this this idea that if we have robot if people had robots you know will they will it help them not act out terrible crimes or will it lead to an increase in crimes that's a very complicated thing because we're never going to get that through an ethics committee to try and test it. Uh, <laughs> in all the work that the, the research I did, everyone I talked to who was a doll owner, they cherish those dolls and treat them really, really respectfully. And it's not just because these are expensive pieces of kit. This is there is a the whole ethos of of doll owners is that these are um, often a form of a relationship and that involves care, and so that that causing harm to them is not what's happening here. Um, and I did ask, you know, are there people who do enact violence on these dolls? And and someone had said, well, you know, there are, but they're not in our community. That's not the kind of thing we we do. Um, yeah. And I think there's outliers in all these sorts of of. Uh, Oh, we're going to say hobbies because it's kind of like a hobby group. It really yeah. is. And everyone was so gracious. They were really kind to talk to me about this, the other people yeah. I talked to. It is, it is, you know, it is interesting. And I, you know, and I guess it is, the, I guess it's in a very similar arena, except that it, the more physical it becomes, the less fantasy it becomes. So as you say, I think we're allowed to have our fantasies. But I mean, I suppose that Westworld thing where, the, you know, it does become people murdering each other and... Uh, and raping each other and, and that sort of thing. I suppose that is possibly going to be something that has to be looked at and decided upon, though it seems pretty clear. <laughs> I mean, Legally, yeah. at least, what's allowed. I, yeah. I, I also think people who people who are like that are, are not going to get off on, you know, if, you're, if that's your exactly. inclination, you're not going to get off on murdering something that isn't alive. Exactly, Maybe. which is, uh, you know, for, for part of the book, I had to trawl through some incel forums <laughs> which was absolutely grim. Uh, it wasn't yeah. long after the, the attack in Toronto a few years ago. And um, that was the, because people were coming out with these 
articles in the news saying, well, what these incels need is a sex robot. And you're like, oh, I don't think that's going to work. You can't just, no. sort of, you know, engineer out misogyny uh, by saying, here, have a robot, because they're just going to say, you don't want that. And of course, that's that's what was happening in the forums. They were saying, no, that's just a cope. This is just a, uh, it's not, it's an excuse. It's not a real woman. Sure. We will we'll only be happy when the real women give in. Although maybe a sex robot could teach somebody how to to behave with women and, and what and what you could go play a video game where it says this is if you if you if you if you behave in this manner you will not have a girlfriend. Um anyway. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, I, I think also more interesting and, and uh, less dodgy territory, uh, although still dodgy, but the more interesting way uh, is the kind of moralistic. I mean, we've got deep fake pornography now, obviously, which is sort of worrying. But you mm-hmm. could obviously start selling sex dolls of Scarlett Johansson uh, if you could get away with it. So you could take someone's actual image uh, and use that within within the, these devices and uh and how, how can you stop that happening and or, or would everyone just have to license their their image out and take the money yeah. licensing seems to be probably the way that would go and it certainly happened already with the real doll sex dolls where there's porn performers who have licensed their likeness to be used as dolls um but yeah that's really tricky with you know with famous people like Scarlett Johansson you know I think the manufacturer the the robot engineer there got away with it because it wasn't being done commercially but the minute you try and build these commercially you're going to have all kinds of lawsuits in your hand but it does lead to bigger questions about who owns your identity what rights do you have you know you, you don't have the right to not be photographed in a public place, right? Anyone can take your picture if you're in a public place and you can't do anything about it. Um, so, you know, what's to stop someone making a robot of you? Um, well, hopefully there's something that can be done if you're not happy about it. <laughs> I don't so mind. I mean, if people want to make a... <laughs> I'd kind of like we discussed this in a recent podcast, but, you know, I think all sex robots should just be made to look like me as a sort of Twilight Zone punishment for everyone well, else should, but I'd, I'd be happy you know there's an element where you could you could obviously uh and just not for a sex robot but with a robot you could have a robot of your deceased partner you could have a robot of your younger yeah. self um yeah just to have yeah. around is it cheating so that, to have sex with a robot of yourself that's younger than a younger version of yourself it's just a form of masturbation isn't it it really? is 
yeah. wonderful form. <laughs> well, that, the, the idea of the deceased partner thing, that's been explored in quite quite a few TV shows. And, and yeah. there's an episode of Black Mirror that looks at that. And, you know, the, the, the problem there was it wasn't quite right. It wasn't quite accurate enough um yeah. for the grieving widow and also you know it, it yes it's kind of weird and but it, it <laughs> brings up loads of questions about grieving processes and what happens when you die and a robot like you is left behind or even the opposite what happens if your robot dies and that's why i'm really into it the minute is looking at this kind of idea of robot mortality right and, you know, you've got an ageless robot there you know your, your sex robot's not going to age and there you are getting older and older yeah. And this beautiful young robot looking at you. Maybe you want an older robot. Maybe you want it to age. They'll be able to do that. They'll be able to work that out. Okay. Uh, the other, the other thing that that you do again mention in the book is there was sort of a slew of articles about uh, that sex robots will uh, rise up and kill us, or will oh, be yeah. so vigorous they'll kill us. Is that, do, do you think that there's that that's, there's a possibility of this? These come up every now and again. I think there was a Gizmodo headline that said sex robots will fuck us all to death, which actually was making a really good point about AI, which is if you don't get the question stated in the right way, it might not obey instructions properly, like like the magic porridge pot that just kept making porridge and kept making porridge uh, until the whole world was just porridge. So it's that kind of thing, you know, it keeps going. The sex robot is told to only stop when you're satisfied. But you never reach orgasm, so it just fucks you to death. So you know what a hazard. That's but then what a way to go, maybe. Uh, so yeah, there there are there are always these stories. And then someone else had said a couple of years ago, oh yeah, no, the sex robots could murder you. And I was thinking, but I don't see how these things can't. The current prototypes can't stand up on their own, can't move their limbs. I think you might drop one in a bath while it was plugged in charging, and that would probably kill you. But I don't see how else you're going to do it. So I think we're safe for now. Well, it is, but it's always that it's annoying to me with the. I mean, I can understand why it is, but the, that sci-fi tropes, anything new will go evil and destroy oh, you, yeah. will turn wrong and destroy you. And when you look at technology, obviously, sometimes te- technology isn't our friend or something goes wrong with technology. But the advances that we've made in the last 40 or 50 years as a result of technology are extraordinary and and largely positive. Um, and so, you know, I think this idea that robots... I mean, it's possible, and it's and it's an exciting thing to you know. You can't argue with the Terminator being a fantastic idea for a film in in every degree, but the idea that the robots would definitely, in in pretty much every scenario, you see the robots are treated like slaves and then don't like it, and and then turn on their turn on their human masters, usually yeah. in a in a kind of a, a, a sort of thinly veiled and and embarrassingly sort of studentry allegory of of the human race's uh, own uh, horribleness but yeah i mean it, it, it's it seems that robots are more likely to be useful than than destroy us and more likely to wank us off than destroy us yeah more likely to vacuum your floor and build cars <laughs> yes. and, yeah. and, and also wank us off i guess but yeah that but the, these sci-fi stories these narratives we've been telling them for thousands of years they go right back to to greek myth and legend and it speaks a lot about our own fears of loss of agency, of being replaced, of being worthless because something better comes along. And when you get that into the sex realm as well, where you think, well, what if what if a machine, what if something that I have no control over comes and takes my partner or you know my, my sex life, then yeah, absolutely. You're going to see a lot of stories around that. Um, yeah. And the, 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 this kind of uh, presentation of the female robot, the fembot or the gynoid that keeps coming up. And they always tend to be 
the kind of ruthless femme fatale and it's almost like you know woman breaks programming smashes the patriarchy oh no <laughs> dystopia so there's a lot going on there as well and how many years away are we from having a a, a sex robot that looks exactly like Gemma Chan and acts exactly like Gemma Chan uh, and is indistinguishable from Gemma Chan in every regard I'm going I mean, to say not... that it won't be in my lifetime. And the reason oh. I say that is I hate making predictions that <laughs> might or might not be disproven while I'm still alive. So I'm going to say not in our lifetime, maybe the next generation. <laughs> do you think that, but do you think, it, is it really even, is it, I mean, I suppose so many things are possible. It just feels like there would always, I mean, you talk about this, the uncanny valley thing, isn't it, that you mentioned in the yeah. book, is that there'll always be this feeling that this is not Yeah. Real. We're really good at detecting things that are not quite real. I mean, the gap is closing quite a bit. If you look at the sort of AI-generated art at the minute where you have to count the number of teeth or the number of fingers to, to just to check to be sure that these aren't actual real humans. Yes. Maybe we'll get to that stage. Um, yeah, it's really tricky. I am fairly reluctant to say that we'll have human-like robots anytime soon. I don't think we will at all. But then the last time I said that on Twitter in response to the Tesla robot, I had hundreds of Elon Musk fanboys jumping in to tell me how wrong I was and what did I know and I didn't know anything. So, you know. <laughs> have things moved on? Because right. the, book, the book was written a little... Uh, it's, it's a few years since you wrote the book, right? Was it 2018? Yeah, five, five years ago, yeah. Yeah, so have things moved on significantly in those five years? Uh, not in robotics. Terms. No, not in no. terms of the production of, of sex robots, which were still very much at prototype stages when I was writing. And now I have just got to just about got to market stage. Um, so still not really out there. And we're talking a handful of workshops worldwide, you know, a couple in China and a couple in the US um, that are trying to build these out of sex dolls. Uh, so it's it's really not a big market. Um, they're sort of custom building for people. It's a lot of hype over substance. Um, but what has come along a long way since then is the AI companion aspects and the dirty talking AI. Uh, yeah. So that's definitely picked up a lot since um, since I wrote the book. Yeah, I've, got, I've managed to get some AI, um, good emergency questions written by AI. So I'm replaceable soon. Soon you won't have to have me asking you questions here. I'm sure I should have just done all AI questions for you, but I think they would have probably been the same <laughs> as mine without a bit, a bit less perverted than mine. Uh, look, it's a really interesting book and uh, it is a sort of fascinating topic the more you go into it. And uh, and it is great that it's uh, it's not all just about having, you know, it's not just the story of a of a of, a, of an academic who goes out fucking loads of robots. If you're expecting that, you're going to be even. slightly <laughs> disappointed. There's about there's only about four chapters of that of Kate having sex. No, yeah. but you would you have? I mean, as an academic, see, as a comedian, I have to, I don't really want to have sex with robots at all. Uh, but now I've made such a big thing of it that if it if the if the opportunity came, I might have to, to go ahead. From an academic point of view, would you would you test the merchandise if, it, if um, the right out of, curi- out of curiosity, I probably would. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> give anything a go except incest and Morris dancing, isn't that it? So yeah, why not? Um, yeah, I mean, the, certainly the the sex toys, the sex tech, more than happy to test those. When I ran yeah. the sex tech hackathon, I used to get sent um, big boxes of sex toys. We were using them as prizes and also to cut up and reconfigure into various things. Um, and I always managed to order duplicates just for, <laughs> you know, 
they're, they're, I've got a big box in my office and a box at home. So yeah, that's you know, it, that it's useful to good. have insider knowledge of these things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Although I'm so vanilla, and I used to, I used to do a gig, which was a, I can't remember what the charity was for, but Love Honey. Get we we get the, we'd always get a box full of various sex toys, and I just had to give them all away because I was too embarrassed to Aww. look at them. I've got a couple in the drawer, but I've never. <laughs> there's one that goes. It's like a big curly thing, and I don't like to think where it goes but I haven't had the heart to get rid of it in case I want to experiment with that at some point in my life uh but there we go that's too much information um well, some I, of them I'm, are very beautiful some of them are fascinating <laughs> designed and look like ornaments are. you couldn't even tell <laughs> well I should be you know it's my own it's I, I weirdly as a on stage and as a comedian I'll talk about all sorts of stuff but in real life I'm I'm a very shy <laughs> and repressed man uh but you know that's a that's a good thing um are you reading any other books at the moment? Or have you read anything recently you would like to, and it doesn't have to be about sex robots, but it can be, uh, that, you, that you'd like to recommend? Tell you what I've been reading recently. Um, uh, oh, yes. I'm halfway through John Darnell's um, Devil House. And he's he's uh, the guy that formed and, and is basically the one, almost the one man band, the Mountain Goats. And he's written this amazing, um, very, uh, atmospheric kind of horror novel um and yeah i'm really enjoying that terrific good well look it's really love to meet you kate uh and uh keep up the fantastic work let me know if you know if there's any developments with the realistic ones uh in my life if it's not in your lifetime it's not gonna be in my lifetime my lifetime's got a very short span um but maybe i'll you know put my head in storage and and then my head and my penis in storage, and then I can come back and have sex with her. I can be made into a sex robot then, right? That would be... That would I be mean, it. I think you should get in touch with Real Doll because they've, they're developing a meal version, and, you Are know, they? you could get in early. You could you could help. Yeah, if it was, see, that would be nice. It would be nice to be immortalised and then, you know, know after your death that people are still making making love to your fantastic body, your beautiful body, in you know, in plastic form, whatever it's made up. So I would quite like to... I'm happy to have one modelled after me. I'm not convinced it would sell that well, but you know, you never know, do you? No kink shaming. <laughs> I'm allowed to kink kink shame people who are interested in having sex with me. I think that that's the one kink I'm allowed to say that is deeply uh, wrong. And uh, my wife and uh, anyone else who's been interested should be thoroughly ashamed of themselves. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us, Kate, and being a very good sport about this. Uh, do bye, Kate Devlin's uh, turned on. Are you working on any other books at the moment? This is a while ago. I am working on an academic book called AI for Sex that doesn't just look at sex tech, but looks at other things like how AI is used in porn or in combating things like human trafficking. And okay. I'm very, very interested in this mortality side of things. So I'm hoping that my next book kind of dives down into that. Brilliant. It sounds fantastic. Uh, a, a big recommend for this book. I think you will enjoy it, everyone. And uh, we'll be back soon with more of these. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. 
Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for listening. Do come and see me on tour. RichardHerring.com slash gigs is the easiest way to find out where I'm going. And GoFasterStripe.com. You can buy books and downloads. And just tell your friends about the podcast. If you can't make it to the tour show, if you don't want to buy any products, then every time you listen to an advert, you're helping us make more podcasts with a very, very tiny micro payment. So thank you very much for that. I love you all. It's lovely to meet you on tour, by the way. Hello to everyone who's said hello so far. Do come and say hello after the show if you enjoyed it, if you want to see me. That'd be nice. You can get a selfie. I don't care. I'm a selfie whore. All right, see you soon.